Who's ready for the word this morning? I'm pumped. Man, this has been a fun week. Um, I've, shared, I've, I've shared snippets of this with a few of you just as, I, as we've been discussing things. But the last few weeks, we've been studying what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus and how do we how, intently follow him and what does that look like? So this week, we're going to talk and uh, continue continue that series. And I just want to recap a little bit uh, for uh, what we've talked about the last few weeks. So we understood, we kicked it off by understanding that in order for us to follow Jesus, we first need to understand that God has given us incredible grace to follow him. That we're never going to be able to do it perfectly every single time. Uh, And that he meets us right where we're at. So we don't have to be cleaned up in order to follow Jesus, right? I heard a, an analogy, and I shared this last week, that you don't clean yourself up before you get in the shower. You get in the shower to clean yourself up. Same thing with Jesus. You do not have to be cleaned up to start following Him. He does the cleaning. He does the pruning. He does the purifying as you follow Him. Uh, we also know, and we talked about a few weeks ago, that in order for us to follow Jesus, we have to take up our own cross. Well, what does that mean? It means that we have to die to ourselves. We can't be focused on ourselves. We need to be focused on others and focused on Him. He, Jesus also said that in order to gain our life, we need to lose it. Which means that in order for us to gain our life in Christ, we need to be so focused on what it means to follow Him that it doesn't matter what we want. It matters what He wants. We talked about last week that Jesus is our Good Shepherd. That He leads us as His sheep exactly where we need to go, that He is our protector and keeps us from harm, and He is the way, the truth, and the life, that we can be confident that if He is leading us to do something, it's the best way, because He is the way, He is the truth. So this week, we're going to look at an example in the book of John. So as I introduced, go ahead and turn to John chapter 21. Uh, We're going to read through the whole chapter today. So we're going to talk about what it means as followers in our relationship with Jesus to other believers. We're going we're gonna to talk about what it means as believers in relation to other believers as we follow Jesus. So turn to John chapter 21. I'll give a little background. This is the last chapter of John, uh, of the book of John. Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen again. And now he is, uh, he hasn't quite ascended yet, but he is, uh, this is an encounter where he interacts with his disciples. So we're going to pick it up in John chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other, two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, a.k.a. John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. So just a a little more background on kind of where we're picking this up. So Jesus had 
already appeared and been with his disciples multiple times after he had risen from the grave. He had been with them. He showed them his wounds. He proved himself to Thomas, right? And now you see the disciples still gathered, but in a smaller number. So it says that only seven of them were together. What are they doing? Why are they going fishing? You know, I can imagine in verse 3 here when it says that Peter says, I'm going fishing. I can't imagine it was like a, I'm going fishing. It was probably like, I'm going fishing. I just followed Jesus for the last three years of my life, and now I'm going back to fishing. I'm going fishing. The disciples go with him. And as I read this, I can almost sense that Peter was frustrated. Now, that's my opinion. You can't see, can't see the emotions of Peter in the text, but I can imagine you've gone through this entire journey, and we all know Peter's story, right? He's a disciple. He denies Christ three times, probably carrying some sort of guilt from that, especially knowing that he's encountered Jesus since he's died and rose again. And now he has to go back to the trade that he had prior to following Jesus. You know, I think sometimes it's really easy for us when we don't know what to do to go back to what's most comfortable for us. You know, when you're in a situation and you're like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to that job. I'm going to go back to that relationship. I'm going to go back to that friend or whatever it may be because you don't know what the future is supposed to hold. Again, I think... The disciples probably all thought up until Jesus told them he was going to die that they were going to be with him and part of his team, right? His leadership team. He's going to overthrow Rome and they're going to have seats in in government and they're going to be his, his people, right? And then all of a sudden he's gone. He's, he, he dies. Obviously they see him again, but now they're kind of stuck. They're at loss. Like, what do we do now? What's next? Right? We know how the story unfolds, but in this moment, you can almost sense this, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go back to what I used to do. How easy is it for us to go back to what we used to do, right? When we're put in tough situations, when the Lord leads us into tough situations, we're following Him. He's our shepherd, right? We talked about that last week. When we're following Him, and He puts us in spots where it's maybe a little uncomfortable. How easy is it for us to go back to, well, I know this, so I'm going to go back to that. It's really easy to do. I know I've, I've fallen trap of that. Like, I, I'll tell you, um, I, I, I love to exercise in seasons of my life. And there's been moments in my life where I'm like, I don't know what to do to get back into shape, so I'm going to do what I used to do. Well, let me tell you what, I am five years older, so what I used to do hurts a lot more, isn't as effective as it once was, right? So I need to adapt and adjust to what I need to do, right? If I go back to what I'm comfortable with, I'm probably not going to be pretty comfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable, right? It's not going to be successful. If I try, you know, let's say I am successful and I start lifting weights and I get really strong. If I only continue to lift what's comfortable, I don't gain anything. Right, Eric? You have to add extra weight, right? You, I know you lift. If you only lift 45 pounds, if you only lift the bar, you'll be real good at lifting the bar. 
but eventually the bar is not going to be enough. You need to continue to add weight. If you just stay where you're comfortable, if you just go back to what you're comfortable, you're never going to grow. You're never going to build. You're never going to have new things in your life that cause challenges. So we can see in this situation that Peter says, I'm going fishing. His buddies join him. So they go out, they go fishing. What happens? They don't catch a single thing. Does that remind you of another story that we talked about a few weeks ago? Where Jesus is standing on the shore and he says, hey, how'd it go? Oh, we didn't catch anything. Oh, go out deeper and cast your nets. What do they do? They go out deeper and they have this crazy haul of fish. So I find it really significant that in this moment that they go out fishing and don't catch anything, Jesus uses a past example, a similar example, to get their attention. To make them know, this isn't me. That's, that's, my, that's my leader. That's my savior. That's my, that's my uh, best friend. You know, I, I think it's so important for us to understand that when we get into tough spots, when we don't know which direction to go, not only do we need to avoid being comfortable, and going back to things that we know. The Lord uses past things to bring to our remembrance to lead us to what's next. He, le- he uses past experiences. Maybe it's a word spoken over you in the past that has helped guide you and lead you to what's next. Maybe it's something, a revelation that He's given you that w- when you were a kid or when you were a young adult or whatever that might be. He uses that to remind you of who He is. So this is another example of, you know, they're frustrated. They go fishing, they don't catch anything. Imagine sitting in a boat all night, not even during the day, all night, when the bugs are probably the worst. I don't know about y'all, we go fishing, and when, it, when the bugs start to come out, the mosquitoes, just ask Charity, we always go in. The, char- the mosquitoes love Charity because we don't like the bugs. So imagine sitting in a boat, yeah, you're with your buddies, but all night, throwing nets, pulling them back in, not catching anything, throwing more nets, pulling them back in, not catching anything. I know I've talked about this in the past, but when you go fishing, you don't catch anything. It's awful. Absolutely a waste of time. I mean, sure, you're sitting in a boat and it's nice, but if you're sitting there watching a bobber go up and down and not catch anything for hours on end, it's brutal. So imagine what they were like. Not, they weren't just sitting on the boat with a pole like, oh, this is great. They were taking heavy nets and throwing them over the boat back and forth, not catching anything. They'd be exhausted. It was overnight. I'm sure they were hot and tired. And here they are. They're in the same situation where they don't catch anything. And Jesus tells them to throw their nets out. What happens? They catch a bunch of fish. And we'll read later. It's 153 regular fish or giant fish, right? 153 in their nets. So now they're pulling up over. They probably went from this moment of that's, this was the worst night of fishing ever to wow, that's incredible. And then it says that John recognizes that it's Jesus and without hesitation, Peter gets dressed, jumps off the boat, and swims to shore. Out hesitation. He does it right away. You know, I think it's important for us, when we look at this example of what it means to follow Jesus, that oftentimes, when we go back to what's comfortable, what we once knew, that the Lord wants us to lead, he wants us to, he wants to lead us into something new. But when we consistently go back to what's comfortable, it's holding him back. From, like it's, it's saying, look, Lord, I, I know you want me to do this, but I'm comfortable here and I don't want to move past it. 
So following Jesus sometimes means that we have to be uncomfortable, that we have to put ourselves in situations that aren't comfortable. Maybe that's starting a new job that he's led you to do. It's scary. It's daunting. You don't know anybody. Maybe it's starting your own business. I don't know about y'all, but when you start your own business, there's a lot of expenses. There's a lot of what-ifs that go into it. But if he's leading you to do it, he's going to provide for that, right? So don't go back to what is comfortable. Allow him to lead you into something new. We see in this example, Peter wanted to go back to what he was comfortable with. The book of Isaiah, and this is one of my favorite verses. I, I, I probably share this often, but I think if you can remember anything, any verse, one of the verses in the Bible is this, Isaiah 43, 19. It says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Following Jesus, my question for you, are you willing to go somewhere that you've never gone before to follow him? Are you willing to go somewhere you've never gone before to follow him? Are you willing to go somewhere you've never gone before to follow him? Ask yourself that question. Ponder that. It's what he asks us to do. But this verse tells us, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. A pathway. So you're not talking like, you know, if any of you have been to the Boundary Waters, some of those uh, portages between lakes, there's no pathway. You're like, I think this is it. I, don't, I can't quite tell. It's a pathway. It's clear. It's a clear-cut path through the wilderness. So we know that if we are okay going places that maybe we've never been before to follow Him, that He's going to create a clear path for us. And what it means to follow Jesus is we need to be okay doing that. Right? We need to be okay doing that. When we find that when we go back to something that's comfortable, again, like Peter did with fishing, sometimes we can find success. That success might be short-lived, though. Here's a good example. Peter's like, I've had success fishing before. I'm going to go back fishing. Again, you can imagine that when they were with Jesus, they had people with them all the time providing food and meals. And everywhere they went, everyone wanted to be around Jesus. So they had provision their entire time that Jesus was with them. Jesus gets crucified. And now all of a sudden, his disciples went from being celebrities to being, hey, those guys were with Jesus, right? So you can imagine some of their provision probably dried up a little bit. So they went back to what they were comfortable with. I can do it on my own. I can solve the problem. I'm going to go back to fishing because I need to feed myself. I need to do that. You might find success short term. Long term, though, you need to find your provision from Jesus. You need to find your provision from Him. Because when you go back to what's comfortable, you might find that success. But as soon as you don't, it's discouraging. It's heartbreaking. It's frustrating. In those moments, you need to trust Jesus. You need to trust that He is going to be your provider. You need to trust that He's going to be your provider. So as Jesus calls out to them, what does He do? He tells them to throw their net out on the other side, right? Again, we've talked about 
He's used this example before. When, uh, when he was first calling Peter to follow him, right? When he, you know, go cast your nets out deeper. This is also an example of the faithfulness of God, right? Again, we talked about the provision aspect of it. Their provision might have been dried up. They might not have had anything. They were probably trying to figure out how they were going to provide for their families. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to strive. I'm going to work harder, work more jobs. I'm going to do all the things. But at the end of the day, what happens? Jesus calls out to them, throw your net out to the other side. Try something different. Who knows? They might have thrown out their net on the other side before and not caught anything. What happens though? Jesus does the miraculous. He provides for them in a way that they were, I'm sure, like, what in the world? How does this happen? They were surprised. And the thing that I love about this story Jesus didn't meet them at a church. He didn't meet them at a synagogue. You know where he met them? On the beach of a lake. Where they worked. Where they lived. He didn't expect them to come to him. He came to them. Right where they were at. He came to them and met them while they were at work. He came and met them while they were, I'm sure, hot and sweaty and nasty from fishing all night. And I think that's important for us to remember. Jesus can meet you wherever you are. You don't have to be in this building, in this room, to meet Jesus. He wants to meet you on your couch. He wants to meet you at your job. He wants to meet you when you're out with friends. He wants to be with you. That's, that's his whole thing, is he wants to be with you wherever you're going. And sometimes we think that we can only preserve our time with Jesus to this moment. And He wants to be with us so much more than that. He wants to be with us all the time. So what happens? As soon as they know that it's Jesus on the shore, Peter jumps off. Jumps off the, uh, the boat and he, he hurries himself to, to shore. So let's continue reading. Let's pick up in, in John 21, chapter 8. It says, The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't been torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had, ra had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
Before I get into the really breaking down the scripture, I want to point out something that I just love about Jesus. I think this is really cool. You know, as we're talking about, Jesus met the disciples right where they were. But he didn't just meet them there and say, serve me. What did he do? He served them. He made breakfast for them. He cooked for them. They were able to eat because of him. He wants to do life with us. That's what he wants. Leading us as we live our lives. And not in a, you know, miraculous, like, you know, he just wants to be our friend. He just wants to live alongside us. He didn't ask them to change into their best tunic or their best clothes. No, he just met them where they were at. I remember when I was a kid, I'm sure many of you had this similar experience. Sundays, oh, we were dressed to the best. That was the thing. We always went to church dressed for the hills. I remember this is going to, we watched the Brady Bunch movie when I was a kid. And there's a saying in there, put on your Sunday best kids, we're going to Sears, right? Sears don't even exist anymore. But that was the thing. Like you got dressed to go to church. You got your Sunday best on because you needed to, to look the part. And this is a, just a prime example of where Jesus truly meets them where they're at. I'm sure they were nasty. Like sitting out in a boat all night hauling in fish, fishy nets. Yuck. I'm sure they smelled like fish, right? He didn't care. He served them breakfast right where they're at. And you can remember there's a significance, and I'm sure so many of you have heard this, why Jesus asks him the question three times. Why he asks him the question three times. Before the death of Christ, Peter professed his love that I am going to love you more than any other disciple, that he would never discern him. In Matthew 26, 33, I think we've got that one, right, Cliff? Uh, it says, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus was not only restoring Peter one time, but he was doing it three times. If you remember, Peter denies Christ three times. So in this example, you can see how Jesus restores Peter in front of his peers three times. And you can, you can imagine that Peter understood the significance of why Jesus asked him the question three times. But I don't want to necessarily focus on that today. I think we're, we're aware of that. I want to look at how, what Jesus' response is to Peter the three times. So the first one is, I want you to feed my lambs. Second is, I want you to take care of my sheep or tend for my sheep. The last one is, I want you to feed my sheep. As I was studying this this week, I felt like I had this moment where I've never caught this before. But if you look at those three, there is a natural progression. The first one, what is a lamb? Anybody, what is a lamb? It's a baby sheep. It's a baby sheep. So you need to first feed my baby sheep. Second, I want you to take care of my sheep. And last, I want you to feed my sheep. So if you think about this as a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus, we need to first feed his lambs. So how are we caring for the little ones? And I'm not just talking little in stature, like the nursery or the, the children's ministry. 
I'm talking about somebody who just came to know Jesus. How are we as followers of Jesus helping them grow? How are we discipling them? How are we making them know and understand the word better? How are we pouring into their lives? What does that look like for you? You can probably all think of somebody in your life that's maybe new in their faith. What does it look like in your life as a follower of Jesus to help them, to disciple them, to mentor them, to be a a safe place for them, a judgment-free zone for them? What does that look like? I'm sure all of us have had different journeys. Whether you grew up in the church and you knew Jesus at a young age or maybe you came to know Him later in life. You probably all had things that you needed to get rid of or that the Lord, you know, helped you with as you came to know Christ. Why? Did you do that on your own? Probably not. You probably had somebody that you looked up to that helped you with that. I know somebody I looked up to is Anne. She taught me so much about the Lord at a young age that I I still remember so many of the songs that we sang in children's church probably sing them right now you probably don't want to hear that but i could right because that's what her responsibility was as a mature christian to help grow and nurture and feed the lambs that's what we're doing right now sheree and charity and ann and sarah every sunday they are nurturing and growing the next generation of believers and when you think about it in that context It puts a whole lot more weight to what you say, how you teach them, what you do. Jesus tells us we need to feed his lambs. Now you can think about that as maybe a pastor needs to do that. And I certainly take on that role as pastor, that it's my responsibility to do that. But I think all of us carry that responsibility as followers of Jesus. To mentor and nurture both the kiddos and those that are new in their faith. Because the enemy, the enemy wants to go in and steal every single thing that the Lord gives to somebody at an early age or early in their faith. Somebody gets excited about Jesus. What does the enemy try to do? He tries to deflate that excitement. He tries to stand in their way, get in their way. You know what that person needs? They need somebody standing beside them that can encourage them, that can point them back to Jesus, that can say, hey, I've been there. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, what do you need? Can I bring you a meal? What does that look like? It's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to feed his lamb, to teach and train those that are new in their faith, to care for those that are in our care. For those of you that have parents or that are parents that have kiddos, it's your responsibility to teach and train them up to know Jesus. They're in your care. For those of you that are in ministry and whatever might, whatever might that look like, or as a teacher, I know we've got some teachers in here. It's your responsibility to raise those children up, to teach them about Jesus. It's your responsibility, and it's my responsibility as a church, that when new people come in, if they don't know Jesus, to welcome them, to help them see Jesus for who He is, not for who they might think He is, right? In Acts chapter 2, Verse 41. So we can think about this, right? So Jesus knew what Peter's ultimate plan for his life was. He knew that Peter was going to go and establish the church, be a leader of the early church. And why do you think it was so important that Peter heard from Jesus, feed my lambs? It says why in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So again, a little context here before we share this verse. 
The disciples are waiting in the upper room. There's 120 of them. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter goes out and delivers, delivers this incredible sermon. And what happens? We can read about it in Acts 2.41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. So imagine this. We're a group of about 50. Imagine if all of a sudden 3,000 people packed in here that didn't know Jesus, that didn't know what they were doing. That would be a large undertaking for all of us to have to help them and like nurture them and grow them, right? Imagine what Peter had to... He was the leader of the church. It was him and his disciples like, all right, here we go. It was so important for Jesus to share with Peter why he needed to feed his lambs because he knew what was coming. He knew the church was going to be established. When we follow Jesus, when we're followers of Jesus, not only does He give us direction on what to do, He prepares us for what is next. So He gave the direction to Peter, feed my lambs. But He also prepared him to do it. He was equipping Peter and giving him instructions to care for every believer whether they were new fellow disciples or new in their faith. The second declaration that Jesus shares uh, after he asks Peter is, Take care of my sheep. Jesus knew that once the church was established, they would need a leader to direct them, to care for them, and lead his church. Peter was to be that guy. Imagine the weight of that. Like, that, the magnitude of that is just incredible. Hey, Peter, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave you in charge. How many of you all ever seen the movie Hook? I promise this is going somewhere. You ever seen it? So there's a scene at the end of the movie, Robin Williams, who is Peter Pan, is carrying his, like, bronze sword, and he's deciding who to leave in charge when he goes back. And he hands the sword to one of the, the lost boys, and the, the, the sheer excitement that he was the leader was pretty cool but it was also this sense of I'm in charge now we can think of it similarly with Peter Jesus is telling him I'm going to leave you in charge you're going to be responsible for caring for my sheep you're going to be the shepherd that's what a shepherd did he cared for his flock we talked about last week that shepherds protected for provided for brought their sheep to to food and shelter and water it was their responsibility to keep their flock together, to teach and train the flock, right? No sheep, don't go there, go here, follow me, right? Go here, go there, whatever it may be, to teach and train them. Peter was truly going to be the first pastor. The first pastor. Again, a really cool but daunting responsibility. Awesome and incredibly scary at the same time, right? Like, whoa. Can you imagine? I, I could, oh, wow, Jesus, you, okay, yeah, I, I, I can do that. And the last declaration that, that Jesus gives to Peter, uh, the third time he asks him, is, feed my sheep. He was to teach them about him. Jesus knew that Peter would be in a place, in a situation, in which he would have new believers, but he would also have those that knew about Jesus. He knew that it would be important for him to be able to meet each individual person where they were at. That's what a good leader does. For those of that you that have ever led people at work or at school, 
You know, everyone's on different learning, learning paths, right? You might have somebody that's worked for a company for 20 years. They know what they're doing. As their boss, you just say, go have fun. Go do what you need to do. I trust you. If you bring on somebody new that has nobody, no idea what you're do they're doing, what do you have to do as a manager or as a leader? You have to help them a little bit more, right? You have to spend more time caring for them, making sure they're understanding what you need to do. So Jesus is telling Peter, if you're going to lead my sheep and you're going to feed my sheep, you need to be able to understand how to meet, every, meet each individual person where they're at. All right, let's look at the, the last few verses that we're going to look at today. John 21, 18 through 22. We're going to start there. John 18, it says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you like. Now, Jesus is talking to Peter. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, John. Uh, I just love that he refers to himself that way in his own. I just think that's the best. Uh, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter then asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus makes it pretty clear in those statements. It's important for Peter to do what? Follow him. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, follow him. The first few verses, Jesus is telling Peter he's going to be crucified. Stretching out your hands, leading you to a place where you don't want to go. Again, this had to be a really terrible thing to hear in the moment because you just watched Jesus go through what he went through and as a follower of Jesus thinking to go through that probably wouldn't be an exciting thing to look forward to right yes but again Jesus prepares us for what's upcoming when we follow him not only was Jesus telling Peter about his death but he ended it by saying regardless of all of these things what do you need to do? You need to follow me. Even knowing all of these things about what's to come, you need to follow me. No matter where our lives take us, no matter the situations we encounter, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, we need to follow him. That's what his command is, to follow him. It's what he tells Peter, you need to follow me through the good, the bad, and the ugly. My challenge for you today, are you willing to follow Him no matter where this earthly life takes you? Are you willing to follow Him when things get tough? Are you willing to follow Him when He asks you to be a missionary overseas? Are you willing to do that? Now look at Peter's response. What did he do? So Jesus just tells him all these things. This is how you're going to die. Still follow me. John comes over and there's a little dialogue between John and Jesus. What does Peter do? He doesn't say, thank you, Lord, I will follow you. He points the attention back to John. Well, what about him, Lord? If I need to be crucified, what about this guy? 
What's going to happen to him? How many times do we do that? How many times do we do that? Where Jesus or the Lord shares us shares with us something about our future, something that is intended for us. And we say, well, what about their calling? They get to do that. What about them? I have to do this. What does he have to do? We find ourselves comparing ourselves to someone else. It's exactly what Peter was doing. Well, if you're going to tell this, tell me about this. What are you going to tell John? What does he have to do for you? If you're going to ask me to be a missionary, well, what about them? What are you going to make? Are they going to have to be a missionary too? If you're going to ask me to do this, that, or the other thing, if you're going to ask me to go evangelize that person, are you going to ask the, the other person to do it too? It makes it really uncomfortable. No. Instead of just accepting what Jesus had said, he had to challenge and deflect the attention to someone else. We do it all the time. My kids, my goodness. For those of you that have kids, Y'all know this really frequently. You're correcting one. I'll, I'll be correcting Graham. Well, Ruby did this too. And I love to get their siblings in trouble, right? So-and-so did this too. Or I did it because of them. We love to compare. We love to deflect. We love to bring the attention somewhere else. But what does Jesus do? He says, don't worry about him. Follow me. Don't worry about him, follow me. That should be our direction in life. Don't worry about what some other church is doing, some other ministry is doing. What, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the person that has a 10,000 member church or the person that has a business that is booming. Don't compare yourself to them. What does Jesus tell us to do? We need to follow him. Not be concerned about what someone else is doing or what somebody else is making or whatever. No. He asks us to follow Him because He has prepared a path, Isaiah 43, 19, a path of the wilderness for us. Not for somebody else, but for us. For each individual person. And that's the, un that's the beauty of following Christ. He has a unique calling for each one of us. Some of us are called to be entrepreneurs to start a business, to run with it, to be super successful with it. Others of us are not, and that's okay. Some of us are called to help people, to be nurses, doctors. Others are not. I was not called to be a doctor. I know that. I wouldn't want to be a doctor. I can handle things. I can handle blood. I wouldn't want to sit in school for 12 years. God did not give me the grace to be a doctor, right? He has a unique calling for each of us. And when we try to compare that to somebody else, it robs ourselves of the joy that comes with our calling following Jesus. When we're constantly comparing ourselves to somebody else's life, it robs the joy from the moments that happen in our current life that are really exciting, right? That God has placed in our life for a very specific reason. Maybe it's you were called to be a parent, a stay-at-home mom. Shereen and I have had this conversation often. She stays home with our kids. She could get into this funk of, wow, they're really successful in their career. Oh, she is doing more with our kids than anyone else could ever do because she's a stay-at-home mom. And she, we've talked about, like, you need to be comfortable accepting the calling and the place that the Lord has put you in that moment. Not constantly chasing or comparing. Just being okay with the calling the Lord has put on your life. And you know what? The ultimate calling that He's given all of us 
is what? I'm sure you can guess it. To follow Him. That's the number one thing. The calling the Lord has given us is to follow Him. He is our great shepherd. He has asked us to follow Him. And are you going to let Him lead you? If you follow Him, are you going to let Him lead you wherever that might take you? I know for me, that can be kind of scary. What does that mean, Lord? What does that mean in six months? What does that mean in a year? What does that mean five years from now? What does that mean when my kids are out of the house? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't think any of us will know. But what it does mean is that we need to follow Him and trust Him that He is taking us exactly where we need to be. Exactly where we need to be. He is going to connect us with the right people. He's going to put us in the right church. He's going to put us in the right place to follow Him. Don't look around. Don't compare your life to others. Don't look at the wealth of somebody else and be frustrated. Don't compare your life to somebody else's life. It only leads to frustration. It only leads to doubt that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Just follow Him. Just follow Him. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. Just follow Him. Jesus makes it really clear to Peter. Just follow Him and He'll lead you where you need to go.